0: So the Lord is trying to explain to the people what the kingdom of God is is like, and uh, as we know, He generally is is going to use parables that they can understand, um, and He's generally using parables that I cannot understand because I don't know anything about farming, um, but I know a little bit. Um, and so he, he's explaining about what it's like you know for the farmer I mean, what does a farmer do back then i remember that you know farming back then was rather rudimentary you know the farmer would go out with lots of seed lots and lots of seed and just scatter the seed lavishly because a, a whole lot of the farming technique was beyond his control so he'd scatter the seed lavishly into the land and he would you know, he depend on, on rain, basically. I mean, there'd be some irrigation, but you know, unless you were very near to a water source, um, you basically were depending on rain. Um, not a whole lot has changed since then, but obviously we, we have some man-made irrigation. But back then, you're depending on rain, and then you're kind of depending on the, the quality of the yield of the seed. You know, and, and you can go from one field to the next to see how, how the quality of that yield is going to be. You know, one farmer's yield is, is a whole lot different from the next. And this is why, um, you know, people would look at one farmer and say, wow, look at his produce this year. God, God clearly blessed him and favored him, and not Bob. Bob must have been horrible this year. You know, God has cursed him. He must be a sinner. Um, and that's what they thought. Bob had a bad year, you know, must have cheated on his wife or something, you know, or who knows what. That's what they thought. That's actually what they thought. He must have sinned. God cursed him. So, um, but basically there was a whole lot that was left up to sort of chance or they believed sort of God's providence. This is what the Lord says. You know, the farmer sows the seed and then he goes to sleep and he just kind of waits until something pops up from the ground. He doesn't know what happens underground. He doesn't understand you know, what's going on underground. Obviously something is growing and something is happening and then sooner or later it pops up you know, and comes through, comes through the dirt, the soil and begins to grow. But there's a whole lot of waiting. There's a whole lot of wondering what's going on, what's happening. And then you have to wait and wait and wait until it grows and matures and matures Right, and you can't you can't harvest until the crop is ready to be harvested. If you if you harvest too soon, the yield is is not good enough, right? Or good enough yet, right? You have to wait until it's it's mature, until the crop is mature, and then you can. I don't know if by the way, I don't if any of you are farmers. I might be getting this completely wrong, but just you know, just humor me. But you know, if 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 you harvest the crop too soon, it's it's not ready yet. You have to wait until harvest time, until the proper time. Then you can harvest. There's a whole lot of waiting and trusting. So these concepts, those are the concepts he's trying to get through to the people about the kingdom of God. There's a lot of waiting and trusting and wondering what's going to happen. Do you see? So one of the things that he's trying to get forward to the people is don't get discouraged about the kingdom of God. There's going to be a lot of waiting and wondering what's going on. Have you ever wondered what is God doing? I don't know what God is doing. Does he know what he's doing? <laughs> Does God know what he's doing with the world? Does he know what he's doing, you know, with, with society? Does he know? It, I'm, I'm quite sure we're not the only generation or society that's wondered that about God. I'm pretty sure in the Middle Ages they wondered the same thing when the Black Death hit. I'm pretty sure that at the fall of the Roman Empire and the barbarians were overrunning all of Europe that they wondered the same thing. I'm, wonder, I'm pretty sure that in Northern you know, Africa when, when Augustine was surrounded and, and uh, you know, the barbarians were crashing the gates and uh, he was on his deathbed, he was wondering if this was in fact you know, the fall of Christendom And he wondered if God knew what he was doing. I'm sure that there are many people who wondered if God knew what he was doing throughout the ages. And the Lord says to his people, do not grow disheartened. Do not grow disheartened. You are not God. God knows what he's doing. God has a plan. His plan is not your plan. The other thing we find out is that God seems not at all inclined to explain to us what his plan is nor does he feel at all obliged to do so or guilty. Lord, tell me what your plan is. No, just give me an idea. No, he usually doesn't even say no, silence. Can you just give me an idea? Silence, nothing, wait, wait and wait. And so on, on one hand, right? the response to that can be, there, there can be sort of a depression or a maybe a hopelessness, or, you know, well, gosh, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what's happening. I wonder, uh, you know, we can become maybe despondent um, and, and, and grow perhaps a bit de- depressed with the world or, or even with our families or even with our own, own particular life, wondering when God is going to show up. On the other end of the spectrum, you know, um, because we're sick and tired of waiting, we can, use the, using the agrarian motif, um, we can pick the crop too soon. You know, we can, we can say, well, I'm going to take matters into my, my own hands and, and I'm going to make the kingdom arrive sooner. Well, since God's not being a good enough God, I'm going to become God and I'm going to control things Uh, For myself, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm sick and tired of waiting on God and I'll do it for myself. And so then since we have a need to control, right? Then we end up basically making a mess of our own lives and making a mess of other people's lives because we have to fix everything. Then we take on to ourselves ourselves what only should be placed under God's, into God's hands, and then we frustrate everybody else in our lives. So what I, what I, what I find is that um, people have one, or t- one of these two inclinations. Either there's an inclination to sort of retreat, retreat from the world and say, oh, it's, you know, it's hopeless, sort of retreat into depression. It's all going to hell you know, which by the way is a proper use of that term, it's, it's all going down the tubes, so retreat, get me out of here, I just need to survive, I'm depressed, it's hopeless, there's the inclination to go that way, or there's the inclination to fix everything and control everything and drive everybody else crazy and mad. We all have one of these inclinations, I think, pretty sure. And the goal is to try to mitigate those inclinations and move more toward the center, to, to understand that, obviously, either of those extremes is not healthy. And, and this, this has to do with our relationship with God. This has to do with our relationship with everybody else, our spouse, our family, our children, our parents, as well as our relationship with ourselves. That on one hand, we cannot grow despondent and completely uncaring and give up. On the other hand, we cannot change anybody else. We cannot fix anybody else. There are some people who get married thinking they can fix their spouse. <laughs> and then they call me. You're laughing, you probably have called me. Or you've called a different priest. Father, can I meet with you? Oh, no. Why do you want to meet with me? i got to talk to you about my wife. Oh, no. All right. Come on in. They want me to help them fix their wife. Good luck. (laughs) Then the next week, guess who calls? (laughs) The wife. Why don't you help me fix my husband? no. No can't fix anybody. It's one of the things I've learned. You cannot fix anybody else. I'm lucky if I can fix myself. I am lucky if I can fix myself. You cannot fix anyone else. <laughs> and uh, the sooner we, we figure that out, the sooner we figure out that we cannot fix a single person, except maybe ourselves, the happier we're gonna be. But when we can, we, when we can, we can figure out that, you know what, there are certain things we can do. There are certain things we can control in our lives. And there are certain things we cannot. And as soon as we are able to figure out appropriate boundaries in our relationships, both with God and with one another, there's a great deal of freedom that enters in. Because we let go of things that are not our responsibility, and then we're left with things that are our responsibility, that are our appropriate responsibility, namely ourselves our own relationships, our own behaviors, right? And then we let, then we start to let God be God. We start to let other people be other people. We we allow God to take responsibility for God. We allow our our wives to be—I don't have one—but we allow our wife to be our wife and take responsibility for her. Our husband to take responsibility for him. Our priest to take responsibility for himself. Our deacon. Take responsibility for himself, for each person to take care of themselves, and for ourselves to take care of ourselves, right? And that's all we can really do once we're adults. And to let the others be, and to let that go, to stop being controlling, and at the same time, to not go too far on the other end, to become despondent, to think that all is beyond hope, that is not true. And you might be on the other end and think there's no hope for me. What can I possibly do? There is much you can do with God's grace and God's help. It starts with small things. It starts with small victories. It starts with finding small goals in one's life, making small, you know, small victories and small movements toward the good. It may start with just getting to church on Sunday. It may start with just saying your prayers every day. It may start with just small, small good things that happen in your life, but these can lead to greater victories. It starts with just starting, right? A beginning has to have a beginning. It just makes sense. So. As with the Lord, our relationship with the Lord, so our relationship with other people, so our relationship with ourselves. The Lord says, you know, let us, let us look at these relationships, let us not fall off on, on either end. Right? Let us have proper boundaries and understand that we have to be balanced. Let us not become despondent and think there is no hope. Understand there's going to be waiting. It's going to take time. All relationships with, with, within the entirety of our lives and with God, but at the same time, do not try to over control. Do not think that everything relies on us. We have to let God be God and let some things go. Please stand.